0: It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Day 23, monitoring and improvement of internal controls. What happens when controls are continually overridden? Does that necessarily mean the company's that companies are engaging in activities which violate the FCPA or some other law, such as Sarbanes-Oxley. Christina Ravello said she would start with some basic questions, such as how often would something be manually approved? How often are controls skipped? What are the levels of approvals you have, and what is your documentation? What are the reasons, and are you documenting how often a certain department is requiring those overrides? While it could indicate a company lacks a culture of compliance or everything is always an emergency, it might mean something else. It might mean your internal controls need to be reevaluated. The Department of Justice calls this continuous monitoring, leading to continuous improvement. Joe Orengel co founder of Visual Risk IQ, calls it continuous controls monitoring. However, many compliance professionals, particularly lawyers, think once a control is in place, it's set in stone and it is there forever. This derives from the unfortunate fact that, once again, many compliance professionals and most lawyers do not understand internal controls. Yet internal controls, much like the rest of a compliance program, can and should be continually monitored and continually improved based upon the information about such things, such as the number of overrides. Such a review can be evidence of a management problem or a culture of noncompliance at the organization. However, it could be be that perhaps the controls need to be adjusted. How do you assess and then update your internal controls? Companies should also think about updating and reviewing controls at least annually. In this manner, they can identify any violations of their internal controls. It also allows a deep dive into specific areas of control failures. Another approach would be more robust through greater monitoring of your controls, for example, You could review them quarterly to allow you to spot any trends that are moving in the wrong direction. You can even start out by having your compliance function perform a self-review of its controls and test exemplar transactions. This is not a full-blown audit, but simply desktop testing to make sure controls are properly followed. Once again, simply because there is a control override or excessive use of compensating controls does not mean something is illegal. It may mean the control is not working as it was designed. Ravello said it could be an instance of too short of an approval time period, and they also need a little bit longer because depending on their industry or how their business works. This also helps to identify frustrations from employees where there is a control, but every time it needs to be executed, it's impossible to do so because it's impossible to comply with 100%. These quarterly reviews can then be collated into an annual report for review and assessment, and the report can be the basis of an annual report to the compliance committee of the board or even the full board. The key is to have a process for monitoring controls, taking input literally from each line of defense. If a control overridden is overridden too often, you need to change it. If a control is ineffective, you need to use that information to craft a new internal control. Internal controls are not static, but dynamic. And with proper oversight, you can set up internal controls and literally improve them with appropriate documentation, i.e., document, document, document. Ravello concluded that it's not simply identifying issues because they actually might look worse if you identify a lot of issues but fix them. You're better off by remedying everything that you are identifying. From there, you can conduct a root cause analysis in that analysis as to why there wasn't failure in a control or violation of a control procedure. She concluded, you really do need to do that in depth and then remedy it. Before we get to today's three key takeaways, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor and then we'll be right back. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, an internal control override is not necessarily a bad thing if proper procedure is followed. Number two, always remember that internal controls are not set in stone and they're subject to review and reconsideration. Number three, the key is to have a process for monitoring controls, taking input literally from each line of defense. Hope you have enjoyed today's presentation on 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, and I hope you will join me tomorrow on day 24 for updates and feedback. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. I hope you will join me for the entire month of January where I take a look at some of the significant changes in compliance and FCPA enforcement. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.